I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Well, hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Front Row Network podcast, the podcast for people who actually like movies and TV shows and all things Disney, because this is a new and special episode of our Beyond the Mouse show. And we talk all things Disney on the show. We love it. We love everything about the Disney parks. We love everything about the Disney movies, everything about the Disney characters, just everything about (laughs) Disney, right? And I've got a great uh, Motley crew here with me today. Actually, the same team that was together when I was trounced during the Disney Pixar bracket. So thank you in advance to all of you for being much kinder to me this episode. My name is Craig, and with me, I've got my co-host, Vanessa Ferguson. So say you're being a little presumptuous. We may not be that nice. (laughs) I would hope that you would be. I mean, there's really no reason to be mean to me. I don't understand. Never. It's never intentional, never. and it's certainly not. Oh, sorry. Back to your introduction. Well, I was going to say Brett Rutherford's next, so go <laughs> ahead, Brett. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's just this is a place to express our views, and even Disney people have views that are sometimes different than other Disney people. So, no. hi, I'm Brett. Fair enough. And joining us the hairs. How are you, Donna and Lou? Hello. Hello. We are lovely. Thank you for having us back. If you were listening to the feed uh, a minute ago, we had some technical issues, by the way, so you might have already heard some of these intros, and that's okay. If you're listening to the podcast version, you're saying, why is he going over this again? I don't care about any of this. Let's get right into the news. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about some Disney news. Just because there's some pressing big issues out there we wanted to talk about We're not going to spend too much time on that because we're going to dive right into the recent trip that Donna and Lou took to Walt Disney World in June. And we're going to talk to them about maybe some tips and tricks that they came up with, some of the things that went really well for them, some of the things that maybe didn't go so well. We're going to talk about it all, and we're going to talk about Disney World. I'm really excited for that conversation. And then the epic battle to end all battles. We have the fan off between Brett and Lou, who is the biggest Tangled fan on this podcast. <laughs> so okay. we're going to talk about Tangled after that. So let's first get into the news. We've been hearing about this now for months, but it's pretty much official at this point. Uh, the shareholders for both Disney and Fox recently uh, approved the buyout deal for Disney to purchase 21st Century Fox mainly the movie properties, but then also some regional sports uh, channels as well. Disney has already agreed that because of some potential antitrust lawsuits, things like that, they will sell off the regional sports right away. So they're not going to hold on to those. We're talking mainly about getting the Disney, the Fox movie properties into the Disney umbrella. And that means a lot of positive things, particularly for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It means things like the X-Men and Fantastic Four coming home to Marvel. It also means uh, things like Avatar. You know, we've, we just built this wonderful Pandora land of Avatar in the Animal Kingdom, and now that's going to be officially under the Disney umbrella as well. This was a $71.3 billion deal. It was a huge deal. So I want to talk to you all about it quick. Uh, Vanessa, what are your thoughts and reactions to the buyout of Fox from Disney? Yeah, well, kind of what we talked about before was um, back in the day when we had Alien Encounter, it was because they were trying to really bring in movies into specifically Magic Kingdom Park. 
and make it make movies a, a very big focus. Now, that kind of went away. Now I'm wondering if with this buyout, we're getting so many more movies. If that's going to, I don't know, maybe we'll see more of that influence inside the parks. Maybe Hollywood Studios will remain Hollywood Studios and get it, instead of getting a name change. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how these films uh, affect anything in the parks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just so much additional IP that could be coming into the parks now. Uh, and we can see all of that happening really pretty quickly once this deal gets approved. I mean, look at how quickly they've integrated Star Wars into the parks and they're already building Galaxy's Edge. Now, granted, Star Tours has been there for a long, long time, but it, Star Wars has such a larger presence in the parks now after the purchase of LucasArts by uh by Disney, that it's it's remarkable to see the quick turnaround that that had. So, Brett, what are your thoughts on the buyout from uh, of Fox from Disney? Honestly, I I trust uh, Robert Iger, Bob. With uh, uh, he has a wonderful history of uh, of uh, acquisitions that have improved uh, both the fan life and the bottom do- uh, the bottom line for uh, for Disney. So his. Uh, since he mastered uh, and and made nice with Pixar that they're part of uh, of Disney now and Marvel and Lucasfilm and now this is there anything he can't do can he run for president anyway well there was that rumor <laughs> but you know he's going to be around Disney for a lot longer than yeah. 2020 now I think so yeah. probably not eye in that presidential run this time he has around. other things to do <laughs> Lou and Donna what do you guys think about this uh, this huge deal of Fox coming under the Disney umbrella. Well, I think as a fan, as a consumer, I think it's exciting in the fact that, like, for all the reasons that you've said, I personally get a little weird about the idea of so much, as you mentioned, Lucasfilm, um, Marvel, Pixar, all of this falling under the Disney umbrella. You do worry a little bit about power consolidation, um, and maybe that's just me putting my conspiracy theory hat on, which I'll do in our next item, but, um, I, I, you know, creative voices being funneled under one umbrella is, is something I'm a little leery about, but in the short term, I do think as long as, um, Disney holds true to what they've been doing, which is giving voices to, um, some really great artists of all, um, you know, of, of all walks of life and telling stories that are diverse, um, you know, if we're going to get, um, uh, more stuff like uh, what Fox was doing with Deadpool and Logan, where you're getting more adult-themed superhero movies. As long as Disney's still on board with that, I'm okay. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with uh, how this affects streaming, because we're both we're who subscribers, not both. We have the same account. <laughs> we, I was going to say, do you have a separate account? <laughs> we're really into Hulu. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I got I got that Hulu dark or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, it's the it's what that means for streaming because uh so much of 20th century fox's properties are on the hulu device now when they're owned by disney are they all going to come off of that and hulu's just going to kind of um be a little uh a lot leaner i guess is the nice word to put it and you're going to have to now go to the new disney streaming app to get those shows that you've liked um that a lot of that, that fox owns um i don't know but uh in the interim, I, I think I'm at least intrigued by the possibilities. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Um, 
so let's go ahead and talk then about the second news story that we wanted to hit. And that is a pretty controversial thing that happened uh, earlier last week. James Gunn was fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, well, and the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, over some offensive tweets that he made. These tweets were pretty bad. Uh, There was a collection of them going around online, a lot of them related to uh, things, really awful things like pedophilia and uh, talking about, joking about rape and things like that. However, there's a caveat to all this. So those tweets were posted uh, basically back from 2008, 2009, up to uh, 2011, 2012. And James Gunn has publicly apologized for all of these tweets in the past. He said, you know, we, I, I was someone that was supposed to be, my job was kind of to push the issue, to push the envelope. And so when he came to Disney to direct Guardians of the Galaxy, he had apologized for all those tweets. Um, so... This is the second high-profile firing uh, about tweeting that Disney has done in not so many months, uh, with Roseanne being the first. So it's interesting to see the reaction to this was uh, so much different than (laughs) what it was when uh, Roseanne was fired a couple of of weeks ago, or months ago, I guess, at this point. So I'm going to start with you, Lou. I know you wanted to talk about this uh, subject a bit and give us some of your thoughts on it. I did, and I'm glad you hit on a couple of things that I was going to cover. First of all, I think we need to say right off the bat before, regardless of what our opinions are on the aftermath, the tweets were unacceptable. Uh, mm-hmm. Even in a joking contest, shock comedians and uh, try to be shocking. Uh, he was never a comedian, but he was always someone who was, uh, at the time, doing a lot of more subversive horror films, edgier stuff, uh, which is part of the reason he got hired to do Guardians of the Galaxy, because it was this kind of more um, subversive comic book um and so he you know he made really bad jokes uh really tasteless stuff in an attempt to be shocking um and it's not it's they're indefensible in that regard um what is defensible i think is disney's decision to hire him after he apologizes which they did and they had to have known about those tweets in advance um they're not they're a company that does its homework. So to hire him knowing those things, he apologizes and then later to fi- fire him because of he get, they resurface because of um, what many believe to be his outspoken political beliefs against the current administration. Um, he was, you know, these were brought up by two very, you know, people who are the exact opposite. And this is not a political podcast. So we won't get into that, but um This was essentially them saying, well, this happened to Roseanne. What are you going to do about this guy? And my my response to that is everybody says Roseanne got fired for a tweet. Roseanne didn't get fired for a tweet. The tweet was the last straw. Mm. She had spent months saying, saying and doing controversial things. She never backed down off of some of the really offensive stuff she did before her show got rebooted, which you can find. And, and, you know, she did it under the guise of, I'm a comedian. This is what I do. And she didn't back down on it, which fine for her. But, um, she actively made that tweet in 2018 and a company saw it and said, we don't want you associated if this is how you're going to behave in 2018. I think that's a mile away from saying, you made tweets six years ago. We, didn't li- we don't like them now, so we don't want anything to do with you. Um, yeah. and, and, and my conspiracy theory behind this is similar to 
Um, Roseanne, you know, that being the final straw, I am curious to know if James Gunn had done anything, if there was some, if there's some backstage, uh, behind the scenes stuff we don't know about. Um, and this was a, an out for Disney, um, as it were. Um, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll open it up cause I'm <laughs> give it, give it to some other folks. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Brett, Vanessa, do you have any comments on this or you want to weigh in at all? Maybe not. I mean, I've I've just done just because I knew that we were going to be speaking about this. I did just a little bit of research and I, um, I am not comfortable making, uh, any more of an, uh, anything more than an observation that it's unfortunate on all sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vanessa. Yeah. You know, it's really disappointing. Um, I, it's really interesting to hear Lou's uh, perspective, um, very reasonable perspective too. The uh, I, I'm kind of wondering. I'm in that boat where I'm wondering if there's anything else going on behind the scenes. Maybe there's not. Um, I you know I know some of the times the people that get accused of certain things they say, oh he's such a nice guy, and then I had no idea. I I, I don't know. I, I wish we had more um, information about this person in regards to their. The, the real decision why they were why they were let go. Um, the tweets are just really disappointing. But yeah. like you said, well, they were they were really long time ago. So you know, was, no, was it a PR I, move? No, <laughs> I'm like going. Or was it? Sorry, one one more thing. I don't sure. know if it's a PR move or if it's something behind the scenes that we're just not aware of. So. Right. Hey, that Hollywood's really, I only say that because Hollywood's really weird like that. Hollywood sometimes is very forgiving of certain people and then also can be really, really mean in the press. So (laughs) I, we just don't, I feel like I just don't know. Sure. Sure. Um, Well, I'm sorry. Just, just my little bit on that is that I think in the culture and in the Hollywood culture, especially right now, I think that there, everyone is trying to be uh, very cognizant of various movements, Me Too and others. Um, and I think even though things that happened in the past, they have consequences today. And I think that to ignore things in the past, just because it was in the past, even if they've apologized it, there are some things that are just unacceptable at any time that I think in the past were just sort of put to the side and no one really thought about. And now mm-hmm. it's become a genuine concern. And I yeah. think that I think Hollywood is, you know, trying to make things right. And in some ways be uh, an example uh, to other businesses here. Sure. And you know, the, the thing about it is I, I agree with what you're saying, Brett, but they hired him knowing that these were out there. The culture was different apologized. now. Yeah. But, the culture is different now. And I, I just think that if you're going to hire someone, it's hypocritical then to fire them for the exact same thing. And here's here's what I would have liked to have seen happen. And, and again, this is 2020 hindsight, but knowing, because I think you're both, you're both right in a sense that uh, the culture has changed. They hired him. I think, but I think firing him, I don't think solves anything. I think if anything, it was a teachable moment to say, hey, we've all evolved in our thinking very recently. 
and this culture has evolved and, and become more aware. And one of the things that you could do instead of saying, well, we're going to fire him from it is maybe, you know, use this as an example of, you know, he donate his salary to people to, to, you know, to crisis centers or host screenings for survivors or victims or counselors or whoever, open yourself up to the culture that's happening and say, Hey, I've evolved because I think we've all, we all have the capacity to grow and evolve. And if we don't give people the ability to show that they've grown, we just say, Nope, you're done. Um, because of something, an action, you know, poor judgment in the past, then all we're just going to do is keep shutting people out who I think, you know, like I said, James Gunn has apologized for this. And in recent years is, you know, he's being supported by um, his cast that you're seeing on Twitter um, as somebody who, who they think is um, doesn't necessarily that these words don't match the person that they know. And I know that this, this just gets so thorny, but um, yeah, I think, there could have been a way to acknowledge this issue and be make things better than firing yeah. firing him. Well, I'm going to uh, wrap it up because I don't want to spend too much time on this, only to say that it's what will be interesting, and I haven't read enough into it, is to know the future of Sean Gunn in the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. He is James Gunn's brother. Um, he also played Kraglin in uh, Guardians and Guardians 2, uh, a character that was really a pretty big deal in Guardians 2. In addition to all that, he did all the motion capture for Rocket Raccoon. So he is heavily involved in Guardians of the Galaxy. And um, I, you know, honestly, I just haven't done my research enough to know yet exactly what his fate will be in the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that a lot of people are saying, well, Where's Guardians going to go from here? Uh, and obviously, probably best case scenario would have been that they would have had James Gunn at the head. I will tell you that the reason why Guardians of the Galaxy was made, uh, a lot of people, a lot of the backstory is that a writer in the Marvel Studios came up with this idea, and her name was Nicole Perlman. And Nicole Perlman basically wrote this story. Uh, then James Gunn went back in and rewrote some certain parts of it, but the, the bones of Guardians 1 is by her. So it shows you that this can live on, this, can, this franchise can work without James Gunn there. Whether or not it comes out in 2020, who knows at this point, because I'm sure that they won't be using his script. Uh, I, I can't imagine that they'd be using his script if they fired him now as a director as well. So let's get on to cheerier topics, though. <laughs> so back in June, uh, the Hairs went to Disney World and... You guys did Disney right. I, I'll let you explain it, but like you were telling me where you were staying and where you were going. You had somebody help you, not us, by the way, weird, uh, somebody help, <laughs> help, help you plan everything. There are other and people? Th- yeah, there are other Disney people out there. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, that, that place is kind of popular. But I want to uh, I want to just open the floor up to you two first for some general observations about your trip and about your experience, and then maybe we'll throw some questions at you as you go along. So the two of you have the floor. 
where to well, begin? <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, I think one of the things that we, because we are, and you've mentioned this on your podcast before, there's a lot of people who are, you know, maybe first timers or only timers. And I think we were uh, certainly of the only timer mindset when we planned. And I, um, not to- we're very big planners. Yes. I think that's in our favor as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're big. We're big on planning and making sure we know. We like to know what we're doing. We like to know what's going on, and um, you know, we also wanted to make sure we hit everything that we could. Um, so fortunately, yes, we have uh, a lovely friend of ours who um, is maybe as obsessed with Disney as 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 you good folks are. Balderdash. Um, <laughs> Um, but she was more than willing to help, um, plan our experience. She used, um, the, uh, the software, uh, trip planning, I believe it's called, or is that that the exact name? Is it touring plans? Touring plans. plans. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Um, and was able to kind of map out an itinerary for us. Now, if you are an itinerary type, if you, you know, I was fantastic. I am a person that wants every second accounted for. We even had like the bathrooms accounted for, like how long (laughs) it would walk. We would walk and the duration of the walk and where the restrooms would be. I mean, it was, yeah. Wow. It was, yeah, it was Anal retentive and it was glorious. It was lovely. <laughs> I ate it up. Yeah. But well, it, well, I'm going to stop you right there just because yeah, we're as, as we go, there's uh, better things we'll, to We'll have so many questions, I'm sure. But the first, one of the first complaints that you hear about Disney is that it takes too much planning. So what's your thoughts with that? Now, granted, you had some help, but mm-hmm. do you think, did you enjoy the planning? Was it onerous or did you like, <laughs> for me personally, it's like part of the trip for me. And I, I, I just booked my fast passes and I'm super pumped about it, but I'll talk about that later. Uh, but what do you think about the planning? As someone who had never been before, it was nice to look at everything and kind of think, oh, I might like to try this. I might like to do that. And I think if we were to ever go again, I mean, I think we're both, I mean, we're still both pro planning. Yes. To, now that we know, hundred percent. Yeah. Now that we know what we would do and what we wouldn't do the second time, yeah, I think we'd absolutely plan it out. And I don't think it was. It, you just have to remove the weight of it because uh, of the the weight on your shoulders of of uh, this has to be perfect. Um, and because I think that more than anything will will make it seem less fun. Yeah. Because, like, leading up into the trip, Lou was trying to pass a kidney stone, and I had a pinched nerve and lost feeling in my finger, and we're like, oh, no, this is going to be the worst trip ever. Mm-hmm. There's so much pressure to be had that this was had to be a fantastic trip. Mm-hmm. And I think if you remove that pressure, the planning, I think, I agree, Craig, I think it becomes part of the trip because instead of now this three-day event, it was, oh, we're talking about this Disney. Our, our Disney trip was part of our lives for, Aww. like, months really yeah mm-hmm. and it that's kind of what first i like trip. oh wow it was it was i'd never been in my life done been twice but i don't remember the first time i was like five six and i remember a hotel not on the park that looked over at an Arby's restaurant. What are you guys so I remember thinking? that. <laughs> <laughs> Having like oh. heart palpitations. First trip, I don't remember going since I was five. Who are you people? <laughs> and then the second trip, I remember that when I was in like sixth grade. We stayed at the Contemporary, which kind of influenced a lot of what we did this trip. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. So that's how you ended up, spoiler alert, at the Contemporary. So do you oh. want to uh, talk about that a bit? Because I've never stayed in a deluxe hotel. I'm, I'm, I'm in an interesting place because this trip I'm, I'm staying in a value, uh, kind of a beefed up value at the Art of Animation and a family suite. But uh, talk about that deluxe experience. Was it kind of a, was it a cool hotel? Did it live up to your expectations? It was beautiful. It was. It really it, was gorgeous. Yeah. Even the elevator going up has Mickey Mouse and all the characters telling you what floor you're getting on and off of, mm-hmm. and it was just a, beautiful. They had a lot of like surprise perks. Like at night, we never made it, but they had like a campfire and you could do s'mores. And then that happened right before they would have a movie that they would show in the middle of of like the. Once the sun set, yeah, there, yeah, there was like they were shown beside the pool. They would show this movie and. Mm-hmm. Treat you with popcorn and soda and candy and all sorts of stuff until fireworks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you could see the fireworks from the balcony. Um, and then there was the the light, the, the- delightful <laughs> weird light show that happens. Yeah, like the there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a classic. It's been around since since pretty much the beginning, since about the first year. Of and Walt it looks it. Yeah, I remembered it from, oh, like, 1989 when I went. I was like, this is the weird light show that happened yeah. outside. Yeah. Synthesizers, they're no thing. Yeah, yeah. Once, once you see, like, everything projected on the castle it's, at Disney, the boat, the light show just loses it. It it's, is, it's, it's, it's a kitsch, little luster. It's, it's kitschy fun. Remember it, that? If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have anything else. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm thinking, please be quiet. You're going to wake up the child we just put to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, real quickly, can you kind of tell us what your itinerary was? I'm assuming you went to all four parks and it, you stayed at the Contemporary. Was there anything, uh, you know, special that you did or what was kind of the, the highlights of the trip? So, we didn't hit all four. We we were there for three full days. We did Epcot on day one. Day two, we split between Hollywood Studios and Magic Kingdom. And then day three was all Magic Kingdom. Um, so, uh, we, I, I think our goal, because our daughter is, uh, now eight and loves princesses, our goal was to hit as much princess stuff as we could, that we could uh, cram while princesses in. were still magical. Well, yes, before she was over it. Um, so that was kind of what we based a lot of our planning around, um, to make that sure. That and eating. Yes. Because we wanted to make sure that we used our deluxe dining plan to its fullest. So oh, we wow. tried to book all yes. the most expensive restaurants. Yes. Mm-hmm. We Man. ate. Yeah. Oh, you ate. ate. I'm sure you ate. <laughs> we, and so ate. like where? Mm-hmm. So like where, what was your favorite? Our first night there, we were at the California Grill, and I think oh, okay. that was by okay. far my mm-hmm. favorite experience. Yeah, that was the peak. I th- <laughs> it was, um, but everything everything was great. But I think that was certainly that was uh, our welcome. I think yes, that we had a really rough trip getting to Disney. Yeah. Like our car broke down, and we had to rent the most expensive uh, rental car to get to oh, the airport. And gross! It was just a, yeah. There were there an were ordeal. Yes, challenges. Yes. Mm-hmm. So after we got to the hotel and we're able to eat that fabulous feel. Yeah. It started it to feel magical, magical for yeah. the rest of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before then I was a hot mess and I was yeah. not very happy. Yeah. So, so we did that. We did, um, Chippendales, um, Harvest Grill. Mm-hmm. We did, um, we ate in France at Epcot mm-hmm. at the, um, Chateau Chef de France. Chef, there yes. we go. We ate Chef there. De France. Uh, mm-hmm. dinner. Did you that- see Remy? 
Did you see Remy there? We did not see Remy there. No, no. Okay. that's okay. I don't know if they still do that. But. Um, and then we ate that night was um, at the seas. At the seas. Um, and then the next day was breakfast was uh, where was breakfast? Breakfast was, was at our hotel at the character? wave. The wave. Oh, the wave. Yeah. And yes. then we had lunch at the prime time. Fifties. Yes. Prime time oh, yeah. in Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. And then that night we were at the Lady and the Tramps place. Yes. Tony's. 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 Yeah. And then the next the day was the Princess Breakfast, which was great. yeah in Cinderella's Castle. And then lunch wow. was a piecemeal together between um, be our guest. And uh, Gaston's Tavern. Yes. Nice. And you then we did eat. We ate a lot. Yes. <laughs> that night we went to the Crystal Palace. And then the morning of when we were leaving, we went to the character breakfast, Chef Mickey's. Chef, yes. Oh, very cool. So I've got a bunch job. of questions about a bunch of those. But okay. number one being, um, I haven't been to Royal Table since I was a kid. I think that when my grandparents took us, they took us to Royal Table. Um, we got it for this trip for first time bringing our son thoughts on Royal table. Was a, was it a fun experience? Was the it food was good? Was amazing. it, you know, the f- yeah, the food was great the food everywhere. The food was everywhere great. was great, but they had you start with yeah. these wonderful pastries and then you order more food. Yeah. That just seemed really weird. It's like, you're going to give us all these delicious. This was breakfast. And right. now we have to order yeah. more. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. What would be like considered a continental breakfast was like their appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, yeah, we had these, like, I had a quiche there that was really delicious. They, there was mimosas. Yeah. Um, well, that's part of the deluxe dining that was, plan. Yeah, that was you part get of an the, alcoholic beverage at yeah, pretty much any Yeah, meal which I was a fan. I of, can imagine. Of, I can imagine. The alcoholic beverage. Uh, but, yeah, and then the experience, they announce all the princesses in. You know, there's, the, there's a fanfare, then they each enter individually, and then they make the rounds. And, and they, they have specific tables that they go to mm-hmm. so that you know you're not going to get skipped. And- right. That's so awesome. One- yeah, so we we stayed long enough to know we all of the princesses that princesses that were going to be there were there were out. They all hit the table. And then we they get, get the this special little wand, and they get a wishing star. And for the guys, they got like a sword, and they got knighted. And mm-hmm. It was cute. Yeah, that's really so cool. It, it was it was a fantastic, it, well worth. That was that's a two dining credit, credit, but that yeah. was absolutely worth it. Um, and the, one of the one of the highlights of the trip. That's awesome. Um, Vanessa or Brett, either you have dining questions or we can move on to the next area of their trip. It seems like they did a great job. So congratulations. It does seem like they did a great job. I took, did uh, good I took Anna to California Grill for our anniversary of one of our first trips. And uh, all we got was the sushi because that's like all we could afford because we weren't on the dining plan. And so we just got like appetizers and, and split them. But it was incredible so that's mm-hmm. that's really cool so let's talk about your days in the park some of the the rides or attractions that you went on um some of the things that you liked and you already mentioned it earlier you said maybe some of the things that you wouldn't do again so let's let's talk some about uh your experiences in the parks with a child for the first time uh mm-hmm. and how that went 
Well, I think the big thing for us is, as we said, we were really focused on doing princessy stuff. Um, so and we, getting as much and as humanly possible. Yes. So we, I think we, we tried to hit as much as we could, but we also wanted to make sure she didn't miss out on stuff. So, um, we did all the princess meet and greets that we could, and we did all of the live shows. And I think if we went back, we probably wouldn't hit each one of them again. We, kind of tell our daughter, okay, what was your favorite? What do you absolutely want to do? Um, because I think there were, um, well, she likes rides as well. Right. So. so that, that kind of got us away from rides a little bit, but more to give her those experiences. Sure. Uh, so I think for a first time, it was great. I think if we did something different next time, we'd pair back on this, probably the one that would be the easiest to get rid of. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm speaking for my wife on this, but that would be beauty and the beast. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. for, for only because it's outdoors. It was, hot. it was hot. Yeah. They, they, she, my, I went from eating like homemade pot roast to sitting out oh, yeah, cause you're at the in the sun yeah. and like boiled for 20 minutes with my fast pass. I think we had a fast pass to that cause we couldn't find anything else to use it for at Hollywood studios. Cause they only let you in at timed events. So we're sweating in the sun only to sit outside. It was just hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So unless you. So was this in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and it was in early. The summer. No. Yes, and it was early June. So yeah. I definitely get now why people like to go in October. Um, but um, it was yeah that that would be a couple of things. I don't the two things I don't think we considered. Yeah, one was going to the fifties diner for lunch where they serve you like meatloaf and gravy. Heavy foods. Heavy yeah, foods in the middle of the yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. We might do that for maybe that, that's maybe more of a dinner than it is a lunch, I think. Um and then yeah, just being outside for Beauty and the Beast. Now I say that having not done that because right. I got to go on the rock and roller coaster. Yeah, I would have loved the rock and roller coaster, <laughs> yes. but I got to sweat. Yeah. Nice. So. Well, um, you know, and uh, that came up when we were planning our trip was, do you do 50s primetime with all this pot roast and stuff like that? But it's one of Anna's mm-hmm. favorite places. And so the compromise is that because we're not on the dining plane this time, we're just going to like split a meal and then probably get like PB and J milkshakes or whatever and still feel just like disgusting and awful once we leave. But, uh, (laughs) but you know, it's worth it. Right. So, um, so talk to me a bit about some of the, the rides that you went on and, um, in particular, what were your daughter's favorite ride? And then also, uh, what you guys thought of your favorite rides. Well, we started off really strong because we had had our first day in Epcot was our the first day there. Mm-hmm. And we started off with that harvest breakfast or whatever harvest, it was called. Yeah. And then, so we got to go to Soren Soren before the park really officially opened. So oh, we cool. were there when it opened, we were first in line and got the front row. Mm-hmm. And that was just amazing. That, yeah, that was outstanding. And that would oh. definitely be something we would do again is to make sure that your breakfasts were always inside the park near something you wanted to do right off the bat because we didn't have to use a fast pass for that ride. Yeah, right. That was one of my tips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our breakfast was done, yeah, early enough and it was weird. We were walking. I was like, is, Nobody, is this ride are we broken? To come here? No one yeah. else is here. Did we do something wrong? And then like they're like, nope. You, you did just something have- right. Yes. Like so like very was, right. Yeah. And and that ride is amazing. It, yeah, I the think the fact that you can smell the elephants and mm-hmm. 
the fact that it was smell. Yeah. The set, yeah, the whole sensor, like you, you know, the, the breeze was fun, but yeah, the, the smell of everything that rides incredible. All three of us. I think that was, that was a good ride to start. Good ride for all three of us to love. And she also, she had a great time on the mine train was, oh, was yeah. one of her. She loved that yeah. One. She loved, yeah. Uh, that Which, was the big thunder or, um, or the uh, seven dwarfs. Seven dwarfs. Seven dwarfs. The mine train. Yeah. 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 So, um, we did big thunder and that was fun too. Yeah. Um, that was actually that was the longest wait that we had, and that was forty An unplanned ride. Unplanned, yeah, that happened right after me sweating at the Beauty and the Beast show. <laughs> but it was only about a forty forty five minute wait. So um, the the and app that's was in great. The summer, yeah, and that's in the summer. And so yeah, the again the planning worked out so well that we had this. You know, we're like, oh, we hit everything, and we hit our fast passes just right. That we're like, oh, we do have some time. And we could have gotten a fast pass for Thunder Mountain, but Lou was slow on the uptake on that one. Yeah, I did. I so missed, I missed it. Like missed that one. I was, I was texting with, instead. I was texting with Craig at the time. I'm like, do we have time to make it to there after our dinner res? And he's like, oh, that's plenty of time to walk. And then when I went back, it was gone. So lesson uh, learned, I'm just, sorry. Ju- just jump on it folks. Just, yeah, yeah just grab the fast pass and then text Craig after that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, very cool. Yeah. So, uh, let me see if there, is there any other, um, attractions that you want to talk about or Brett, you had a question for that? I had a question. I'm just wondering, uh, cause when I've helped other people that are going on vacations, especially, um, uh, people with, with children, I'm thinking that if you, um, if it was, if it's within your budget, staying, uh, in a magic kingdom resort is so, uh, time saving. It's a time saving measure because you're on the monorail system, and especially mm-hmm. with little ones, Magic Kingdom generally is usually um, where you are going to spend a lot of your time. So know that you have saved a lot of time. So again, your planning was brilliant. So just kudos. <laughs> Thank you. So. Thank you. <laughs> We're getting gold stars. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and no, and and that did help a lot. Being at the Contemporary, where there is a monorail, and we could walk, or you could walk, could walk to Magic Kingdom. Yeah, so we could go through the, their own little separate security screening. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would have been nice too. Um, and I failed to. I was going to butt in when you're talking about the breakfast thing. One of the cool things about that too is that you really don't have anybody else in the park, so you get some killer pictures there as well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, which is really, really cool. Did you guys do the memory maker? Yes. We did. It was amazing. Yeah. Well. Now, yeah. That, we I were said that that was taken superimposed, like the Tinkerbell on our daughter's hands. Yeah. It was just such a surprise. And it was fun because they would never tell you what they're going to superimpose and just what face to make. And, and then yeah. getting 30 minutes on our phone, looking at the app and seeing all the pictures. Mm-hmm. I think I've said it about 60 times on this podcast. My, uh, go-to souvenir, the the best value souvenir you can buy at Disney World to me is Memory Maker because, mm-hmm. like, you get some crazy shots and, and they're just they're all over the place. It's not like mm-hmm. you're like, oh man, I got to go find this photographer so I get my use out of this. Like, there's <laughs> right. like there's like one PhotoPass photographer per every ten feet at yeah, Disney it, World. It gets it gets right. It gets to the point that you're walking and you see a guy and you're like. Oh, I guess let's just go ahead and get yeah. our picture. We're here, <laughs> sure. you know. Instead yeah, we of we have a lot like, of pictures. We're like, oh yeah, photo pass. Okay, sure. let's stop yeah. here. And that's the other thing is we got way more photos than I think we would have had we just 
left it to our own devices, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, yeah, I, and I agree. wanting to meet the princesses too. Like they right. take the pictures of you walking in and seeing their face yeah. and talking and mm-hmm. just, you get and, all of these pictures. Right. And so that's as a parent, you know, all parents kind of know this. Once you have a kid, you know, you're seeing a lot of your life through a camera because you're always taking pictures of them. And so it was really cool to be able to experience that with her mm-hmm. as opposed to experience watching her experience through, it through a camera and making sure, Oh, I hope I got the shot, you know? So I, yeah, I can't, I can't recommend that enough. Mm-hmm. And then later on you can go like to, we, we, we got a memory, we got a book on Shutterfly and got all the pictures in a nice Disney photo book mm-hmm. that they have, that oh, you that's can get. So. Shout out Vanessa? to Shutterfly. What was the longest you had to wait in line for a, I mean, outside of the princesses or characters, what was the longest you had to wait in line for a photo pass picture? We really like, I don't think we did at all. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe two minutes at the longest. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I think we got in line behind like one family or two and they were like, yeah, when you're done. And it was really mostly because of the size of the family, but it wasn't, yeah, there was no lines for getting a picture Mm -hmm. taken. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And we really even lucked out on the character stuff too. Um, cause I don't think we had to wait long for the character yeah, meet like and greet. Hit Rapunzel and Tiana super quick. Mm-hmm. Bell, there wasn't that long of a line. Right. Did you That's say, good. did you, did, yes, did you see, uh, I'm sorry, Tangled? Was there, was there, we did. Like, oh, there, you oh. better believe we, if we were seeing one princess there, we were seeing and we Rapunzel. Went to her bathroom. Yeah. So. Oh, Rapunzel. You said oh, restrooms weren't what you should be talking about, but the Rapunzel no, no, no. bathroom was pretty They're cool. They're amazing. They're amazing mm-hmm. with the wanted posters and all of that. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. And, and, and that, that was something I did want to point out to people who've never been, um, or the thing I was really impressed with was just the, <laughs> not the bathroom. <laughs> The bathroom, in general, just the attention to detail in terms of the production value and the scope of everything. Um, my frame of reference was Six Flags, which no disrespect to Six Flags, and it's a, it's a great park, uh, but just the, the, not the same. it's not the same. The atmosphere, right. the ambiance, and the detail uh, that is taken in, I mean, they, you know, they put more effort into a bathroom than, you know, some, you know, some movies do on their sets, you know, it's, uh, so I, that was something that, that really kind of blew me away. Absolutely. Final thoughts before we wrap up and start talking about a movie that you guys all love. And I love too, but, uh, any final thoughts on tips or tricks or anything you want to say about your trip? The fireworks are not fireworks because <laughs> I was under the assumption we were just seeing fireworks because they are not in 1989. Just they were just fireworks, but right. no, you have to see the castle. Like mm-hmm. it's a big part of the display. And so mm-hmm. get where you can see that and mm-hmm. stay for them. Don't just leave. Right. Because yeah. a lot of people are like, well, and I mean, it's a good way to beat crowds, I guess, if you want to get out before that, but there is something just truly magical about all those shows. Um, mm-hmm. and just exciting to be able to watch those. Lou, what do you have? I thought the, the fast pass system was great. Um, I, I said it there and I, it's class warfare meets cutsies <laughs> because when you have it, you feel like a king and you're just walking through, but when you don't have it and you're in line and you're watching all these people, you want to get to this ride and then you just watch all these people. It's like, I want to start a revolution. I want an uprising. <laughs> but but um, it, 
the the fast pass is available to any to to everyone though. So yes. it's and it's they're not free. like it's not like yes, and it's free, and it's not like other parks <clears throat> in Orlando. <laughs> I, yeah. I um, did. I do think that uh, Vanessa called it bougie, though. You just feel super bougie when you yeah, walk by. I do. I feel very bougie, especially in Pandora, because um, the line, the queue for um, the Navi River Journey is very much like villagey, and I feel like oh, the peasants are in line. I will continue through to the ride. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> but you don't, but usually the fast pass lines aren't as tricked out as the other. So, so mm-hmm. you, you, if you do have to wait with the people, as mm-hmm. I like to say, um, <laughs> you know, there, there are things to keep you uh, amused and mm-hmm. in the attraction. And now there's even apps. There's the Disney right, play, the Disney play app. which right. is new. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One fast pass that did not work out right was oh, yes. the Jungle Cruise. We got in line, and the line for the fast pass was actually looked longer than the other mm-hmm. standard entrance, and we had to wait like maybe thirty minutes. We did. That was that the, was the fast pass. Yeah, line. that was the only fast pass where we didn't just get to walk in right. and pretty we much get on the ride. Wait. And I I attribute that to. You know, it, it was the only thing we could get, and it was at right before eight, it was right before fireworks. <laughs> so I'm sure that there were plenty of people like us who were like, "Oh, we can get this fast pass, hit one last ride before we get to fireworks." Um, and we just and, and of course, everybody who ordered the fast pass at that time, I'm sure, showed up thinking the same thing. So if maybe my my one hint is, if you are planning on doing fireworks, um, you know. Time that out a little better. But again, we thought we were just seeing fireworks. Right. Or any place you can see the sky. That's good. Yeah. Right. So you want to make sure you have a good spot for fireworks. We probably would have just um, called it a Maybe day. Maybe a little different. Right. But. And did you have to sit in the back of the boat when you got on the Jungle Cruise because of the way the fast line, fast pass line emerges? Or were you... Well, I think we're, we were on the side. We were on the side, the side of it, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's just... Yeah, I don't think I think that that's just how they load the boats. I don't. Yeah, think they that... they always load. Um, they load the regular line first into the front of the boat. At least my last like three experiences, I've been in the back of the boat, which is fine. Last three, but hmm. <laughs> yes, last three. Um, and the uh, when I get in the back of the boat, you can't always pick up on the the mannerisms or the jokes as right. well as you could. When and you can't see the, the gesture back. backside of water. Exactly. <laughs> Which I I'll do know. every time I hear that now, thanks to Vanessa. The backside of water. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing your trip with us, and we could talk about it for the next six hours if we wanted to. Um, I will say that uh, I'm really excited about going, uh, taking a kiddo for the first time. I'm really amped about that. This past week, uh, I did my Fast Pass selections, and I'll spend one minute on that, and then jump into the movie, but, um, the system was down. So it was kind of a crazy morning. Um, Tim and I, we split duties. He was going to get some of the later in the week fast passes. Uh, thank you. Uh, pro tip Brett's Rutherford on that one. Uh, and then I was going to do some of the earlier in the week, but then the system was just not, it was just not responding that it wouldn't allow us to select our dates, all this. It seemed like a, a system wide outage and not, not just something weird that happened to our apps or like that. So it took about an hour, but 
at one point in our week-long vacation, we had Flight of Passage three times. We decided to drop it once to pick up Navi River Journey because that's something that my son can go on in addition to uh, to us. But we got everything we, we possibly could have wanted in the morning, like like we had talked about in the, the tips uh, episode, and just really excited about all of that. But it also makes me wonder what the attendance is going to be like in the fall. So that's something that maybe we'll talk about on a future episode, um, because even in the summer, the wait times haven't been that terrible. Uh, as you guys mentioned, now you had it right, you had it planned out very well, but um, mm-hmm. you didn't have to wait unless you chose to wait uh, for, for very long. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. So let's Can I ask a question, Craig. Yeah. Did you did you use your mobile app and your laptop computer? When, yeah. And, okay. Yeah, and it wasn't so, working yeah. properly. Um, and then Tim was on a computer and on the mobile app as well. And it just was like it, it, it would it would either not load or it would load up the calendar dates and then the parks would be blacked out. Um, and then like it would allow us to book a ride and then it would shut us out of the system. So it took about an hour. It was super frustrating, but we held in there. And like I said, we got, you know, we got frozen ever after first thing in the morning, we got uh flight of passage, a bunch, we have Peter Pan and all that stuff, like the stuff that we really were very much wanting to get, um, to experience. We, we got all those rides, uh, which was great. So. Let's talk about Rapunzel and Tangled. Are you guys ready for this? I feel yeah. like we need, I, a, this we need is... a, are you ready to rumble? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Brett and Lou, you're going to... Uh, one of you will enter, two of you will enter, and one of you will leave this oh, podcast. No. Uh, <laughs> no, but let's, no, let's talk about everyone. this film. This is a film that, believe it or not, I have only seen twice. Uh, so I am not going to be necessarily the, the person speaking the most about this film. I really enjoy it. I'll, I'll give you my first impression of it uh, first, because I almost had a, a second first impression this week when I watched it the second time. Um, it, it's such a, a wonderful story. And what's interesting to me is that it reminds me of those classic Disney princesses more than anything else that's been made um, in recent years, because it really, you get a little bit of Aurora in there. You get a little bit of Snow White. You get a little bit of even some of those 90s princesses like Ariel and Belle. Um, Rapunzel is a great character, taking one of those fairy tales that we all know and kind of turning it on its head just a little bit, giving it a bit of a Disney touch. And I really enjoy this film quite a bit. I'm excited to hear what all of you have to say about it. So Lou and Donna, you're our guests, so I'll let you go first. Uh, Donna, you want to tell us your first impression of Tangled? Well, my You've seen imp- it probably more than twice. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> the first impression was we had actually rented it from the library, and so there was a scratch. And so we missed the whole portion about how she was stolen as a child. <laughs> and so we're watching Oops. it, and my daughter was like three at the time, and we're watching it not knowing that this really wasn't her mother. And then we get, and it skips a little bit more, and, and we're at the end, and Mother Gothel, she's she's got the knife out going to cut Flynn, and we're like, oh, she's three, let's try and fast forward through this little bit. That's hilarious. It was very intense. 
But no, after watching it again with an older child, it's definitely a lovely movie. Mm-hmm. Well, fun. what's interesting about that, you mentioned that it's intense. This is the first non-rated G Disney princess movie. It was rated PG. Really? First animated ah. film by Disney to receive a PG rating. Yeah, it's probably for the knifing. Yeah, it's probably for the knifing. And there is... And there's blood. There's yeah, there's some, yeah, there is some there's yeah, there is a little side of blood and there it's slapstick violence, but there's a lot of there's I think there's more violence than your typical princess movie. There's a lot of, you know, people get hit in the face with frying pans, a frying little pan. bit more slapstick in it and you know, um but that I mean it makes sense. Yeah. I would say it's on par almost with Hercules there. But I yeah. wonder if it's the blood that that put it over the top to get that PG rating as opposed to the G. But yeah. uh Lou, what are your first impressions? Well, as we've mentioned, our daughter is all about princesses. And for a while, she watched a Disney princess movie. She gets, you know, her, her screen time every day was a Disney princess movie. And so she, for, it felt like, must have, it was months. Every morning it was a different, different Disney princess movie. So we've seen all of them. Or heard them in the background. Or heard them in the background, watched them in and out. Um, And so I think the first time we watched it, I watched it all the way through. And I just remember, I thought it was really refreshing having watched all of the previous Disney princess movies just in how fun the movie is. Mm -hmm. I think if you can make a criticism about a lot of the Disney princess movies is that sometimes they can be, they veer a little bit more to the, the, you know, the, the epic, um, the love love story or the drama, um, which is weird to say about, you know, cartoons, but, um, so to have one that had a princess story that was actually kind of fun and funny, um, which we'll get into, but that's what I... More of an adventure. More of an adventure. It's the one that's like, okay, my daughter had this in rotation. I was like, this would be the one that I, you know, felt I could continuously sit down to watch. Absolutely. Vanessa, I'll go to you next. I really like it. Um, I I enjoy the humor. Um, It was not a... When the first time I watched it, I thought it was cute, but it wasn't anything... That was in my college Disney phase where I wasn't really into Disney, but I appreciated it. So I wasn't obsessed as I should have been. So um, it wasn't my favorite film, but I really like it. I think what strikes me the most is um, Mother Gothel, I think is her name. I have mm-hmm. a list over here. Yeah. Um, when she's, she's, some of the things she's singing, I think. Um, and I'm going to make an assumption for every female youth that has a mom that some of the things she says are like, they make you feel a little trigger, like, uh, <laughs> like the, the mom trying to be helpful, but saying like really horrible things. Like, what does she say? Um, uh, plus I think getting kind of chubby, I'm just saying, cause I love you. Yes. Like, oh my God, yes. I heard that. I was like, oh, triggered, triggered. <laughs> so like, and not, and, not, and I think all moms want to just be really helpful. So like those little moments, I thought it was really funny because you kind of can see her being a mom, um, to this, to this kid, but in, in a more negative way. It's just, I don't know. I thought that was really funny. Um, that you could make a villain humorous in that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Brett, your uh, first impressions, your first thoughts. Well, I thought it was a beautiful film. Uh, and, uh, 
And also, I I really liked the... I liked that it was a princess story, and then it was also um, an adventure story for both uh, for Rapunzel and Flynn Rider, a.k.a. Eugene something. Eugene, Eugene sorry. Eugene. That's a fresh uh, point yeah. on the board for me. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so I like that. Um, and it also, okay, um, <laughs> back to voice casting. Um, prior to, actually, prior to Rapunzel, uh, I was not a huge fan of the Donna Murphy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, how dare you? And I, well, it was because of her Broadway stuff, and it was just a, her, her reputation and, and, uh, for her, Certain performances in Passion and also The King and I are, are a little, a little darker than they necessarily need to be, and um, and and so she so in Entangled she was able to funnel all of the wonderful things that I'm sure that because I'm sure that they were videotaping her there were all these nuances and she could be really 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 big in a theatrical way and and I think she she brought everything to her character and even watching it again and again I'm like going the subtle things that you just know are you know the animator just watching her and going that's good let's do that uh-huh uh-huh mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed that I enjoyed that um yeah and yeah. I was a fan of Chuck, you know, so, um, mm-hmm. so, um, Zachary, so Levi. Zachary Levi, mm-hmm. you know, and that he sang, I'm like going, Hey dude. So, mm-hmm. you know, and well, he's, he's done a lot of Broadway since Chuck and all of that now as well. Right. He's did, he's done two shows. Uh-huh. Um, well, to did, me, that's a lot, that's a lot more than I did. That. <laughs> well, you know, but yeah, so, but apparently, um, well, yeah. So I went to the D23 expo last year. Okay. Clink. Yeah. And uh, and went to the Tangled Ever After uh, panel, and uh, and so it was really interesting to watch all of this cast and the, and the cast of the the animated um, TV series. Anyway, um, but uh, where was I going? Oh yeah, um, it, it, I, anyway. How did I? Well, I just brought that in, and now I lost my train of thought. You just anyway, wanted to work D23, and again, we yeah, you it. just wanted to talk about D23 is all. Um, I want to point out with Craig, I'm kind of surprised that this isn't one of your favorite film, uh, favorite films, because one of the directors is also director for Zootopia. So, you uh, know, absolutely, where, where's I, your loyalty? I do <laughs> enjoy me some Zootopia much more than Brett does. That that is that is for sure. Clearly, well, that's your D twenty three mention. Then, okay, fine, drink. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, Sorry. yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about uh, some of our, our favorite scenes uh, because we. I think that we can agree that Mandy Moore and Zachary Levi do a stellar job in their voice casting, mm-hmm. and even Donna Murphy, uh, as Brett said, <laughs> does a stellar job. Um, Amazing, and we Amazing. can talk about them more. But in an animated film, it's so hard to talk about the acting without just talking about some of our favorite scenes. And so um, we will let actually let's start. Let's kind of go in reverse order. Brett, you want to talk about? Uh, one of your favorite scenes Aww. that you enjoyed in this I film. Don't want you to said take... it was a beautiful film. Uh, you know, actually, when I was watching it in preparation for uh, this uh, get-together hangout, um, I po- there was a time I needed to go get a little something to um, – a, a little Mountain Dew beverage or something like that. And I paused, you know, the film, and I'm like going, oh, my gosh, that's gorgeous. You know, it's so – Beautiful. So uh, there were a couple of occasions that, again, I just kind of, let's just try that. Let's just give it a little pause to look at it and really enjoy, you know, 
a paused moment in, you know, a 90 minute or so film and everything is just so, it was just so well done and so gorgeous. So I enjoyed that, but okay. What? Um, I don't want to, anyway, I don't want to take this. Well, anyway, I think it's other people's favorite, but the lantern scene. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like going, you know, kind of, I think some people probably enjoyed that scene. You know, they enjoyed that. And the, um, the, the tavern scene. What's the name mm-hmm. of the tavern? The Snuggly, Ugly, the duckling. Snuggly Ducklings. The Snuggly Ducklings. Snuggly Ducklings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those are two of my favorites. And the Donna Murphy scenes. And a couple of other things. <laughs> okay, you, need to calm down. you need to calm <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, you got to leave a couple for us I to know. mention. Okay, go ahead. That's Vanessa. why you went to me first. I'm sorry. I'm a closer. <laughs> I'm, I'm a closer. closer. That's why you drink all the coffee. Vanessa. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, I, Lou. I'm glad someone laughed at I, that. <laughs> my my favorite scene is when um she meets the horse is it maximus is that the name mm-hmm. Uh-huh. um and that like this horse is taken on the mannerisms of like a militant soldier until he meets uh rapunzel and then he's taking on these like um wasn't like almost like a dog a dog mannerism he's like yeah. oh yeah it's so rough i love that i love how they can and that just the fact that that character is so expressive and so important in the conclusion without having any lines is just awesome to me um so for that i really like that i also want to say that brad garrett um in the snuggly duckling scene <laughs> mm-hmm. well, as soon as i heard his voice i was like oh my gosh this is the guy from everybody loves Raven. <laughs> i love that guy mm-hmm. so i was so thrilled that he was uh, a, a character in the movie as well mm-hmm. There's a it's a deep cut arrested development joke, but Jeffrey Tambor famously lost the Emmy uh, a best supporting actor to Brad Garrett for Everybody Loves Raymond. And so they wrote a joke in about George Michael, George Bluth not making a uh, about how funny he is. And Jason Bateman makes the joke of, yeah, we know you're regular Brad Garrett. Um <laughs> so then, nice. so then like a couple years later to have a, a, du- a duet with the two of them together right. is fantastic. Like that was, that was another one of those things that when I first heard it, cause I'm, you know, when, when you listen to these all the time, you're, you hear those recognize, I'm just like, you know, I hear those recognizable voices like, Oh, it's good. This is, you know, it's a familiar, it's a familiar voice. And then to hear them both use so well in that song. Sorry. I jumped ahead. No, you, you go ahead. Oh, please, go ahead. Please cut in, Lou. Go ahead and no. tell us about your favorite scenes. Well, I think it's got to be Mother Knows Best. Uh, I, you, you hit on it earlier, Vanessa, and we talked, you talked a little bit about Donna Murphy, but I, and this will be several, one of several hot takes I'm going to have on this, on this movie. I think, oh, Mother, I think Mother Gothel is the best one of the best villains in the Disney canon. Mm -hmm. I think she's the best princess villain since Ursula. Uh, And I would put her, I would put her in the, I'd put her up in the top five. And what I love about her is that you're right, Vanessa. She's the only, she's the only villain that I think uses passive aggression (laughs) as a weapon. (laughs) Like that's her big deal is like, just, you know, but it's a great song. And she is like, she, you can tell that Donna Murphy's having a blast doing it. Um, 
And it's something even on the soundtrack, you don't have to see the animation because she's so expressive in her delivery of it that it works. It's not as showy as, you know, like a poor unfortunate souls or, you know, anything like that, but it's, but it's, she performs the hell out of it. And I, I, I just, I adore it. I love it. (laughs) So there you go. First hot take of the, of the, of the pod. Donna. Well, I love the lantern scene and all of the fun that she has leading up to that. But since that one's already taken, any moment Sorry. with Pascal. I love that little oh, yeah. like, I just oh, Pascal. I Favorite have, sidekick. At oh pet gosh. stores and at zoos now, I'm like, oh, let's look at the chameleons. Oh, look, it's a little Pascal. I, I'm that person now. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, to, to piggyback off of that, the, the scene I was going to say um, seems, you know, obvious, I guess, but I love the opening credits song. I love Mm -hmm. when will my life begin because it takes you through this like journey of her day. And then, you know, like halfway through the song, she's like, and it's 8am or whatever. It's it's so perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's so great to, uh, establish that character, establish that small, small world that exists in her tower and how much it's opened throughout the movie. I think it's just a great setup song. It's not, you know, it's no, I wouldn't put it up there with like bell as far as just opening up a movie, Mm -hmm. just, you know. She's in one room. She doesn't right. have the big adventure in the great white whatever. Right. Oh, totally. Somewhere. Absolutely. But it still does a, a very good job of setting mm-hmm. up the story, setting up the fact that um, she has read all these books over and over again, has painted these walls every which way she could. Uh, and you kind of, you just feel for her right at the beginning. It's a good way of just grabbing and pulling at your heartstrings. Cause you're just like, this is poor girl. Like what's she doing? Like you can't, you can't just keep her locked up in here. Well, and, and you bring up a point, Craig, which is one of the things I think when people talk about tangled or you talk about one of the things that maybe I think it doesn't get its due is its soundtrack is, I think it's a mm-hmm. lot different than the other princesses one. It's not a broad, it's not a Broadway style. It's more mm-hmm. of a pop soundtrack really, yeah. especially that opening is, you know, you've got the, you know, the acoustic guitar instead of this big showy number. And most of the numbers are like that. And so I think that's, that's one of the reasons that I don't know if this, this gets talked about as much because it doesn't have that, um, huge, like epic song, like the song that most Disney princess movies. No, let it go. No, let it go. No, where, um, uh, how far I'll go. No, you know, it has, um, I see the light though. It, it does, but that's, but, it, but that's kind of more of a, that's a ballad. It's a, and it's not a big, again, it's not a big showy number either. It's not uh-huh. something like kids are going to be belting out, you know, <laughs> um, it's, very, very true. I uh, bet I we do, know some kids that do well, that. But I will say, I, to me, uh, the analogy that I made is like, it's a, it's, because I think, another another hot take coming, I think it's the most consistent soundtrack um, where I could make an argument that all those other musicals have songs that don't work as well. And I don't, this, I think this has a soundtrack that every song works, just none of them are like, it's a great album without like a major hit single. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas I think some of the other ones have big, big hits on them, but they might also have a couple of stinkers. Uh-huh. Looking at your direction, Frozen, but anyway, I have unresolved troll issues, but that's fine. 
I like that song. I, I just enjoy that song. issues. But, you know, you make a good point because um, in interviews and, and things, when Alan Menken was asked about, you know, because, of course, he's the, the king of all Disney now. Um, when Alan Menken was asked about what he was thinking about with the musical score, he, he focused it on 60s rock. And mm-hmm. so that's where a lot of that acoustic comes in, kind of that, like, monkey's vibe that you get uh, every now and then throughout the soundtrack. So um, really good hot take there, Lou. Thank you. One thing I got more. I, I got more. Keep them coming. Absolutely. And we will. <sighs> I one thing up, that I like to so sprinkle up. in. One thing I like to sprinkle in as uh, we go, it's always fun to look at the people that were up for the roles or considered for the roles uh, as a good way to talk about ultimately how the film turned out. And one of the interesting ones uh, is that both Kristen Bell and Idina Menzel auditioned for this role. So mm-hmm. Real interesting there because they would, of course, make their mark in Frozen uh, a bit later on. Oh, they went on to do something good. That's good. (laughs) Good for Uh, them. Adele Dezim went on to be in Frozen. That's a... So, that joke never gets old. So, so here's a funny. So then here's I'll, I'll posit an alternate. I'll, I'll take that. I'll extrapolate that because the writer for Tangled is Dan Fogelman, who would later go on and be the creator of This Is Us, um, which Mandy Moore stars on. Ah, so in a ah. world where where uh, Kristen Bell is Tang is is Rapunzel, does that mean we get her in This Is Us and Mandy Moore in The Good Place? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe actually, if I, I it, when I was doing some research prior to this, back to Mandy Moore, I thought I I was trying to find the clip again, but she was kind of in a career. She didn't know if she was going to. Be an continue being an actress Mm -hmm. prior to this, Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of you know re-energized her career. Which now, hello, Mm -hmm. um, this is us and everything you know else. But it was interesting, you know. She thought that her days as a pop star were kind of over, and she didn't know you know she was going to do anything in the business again. And well, she has made quite a run of it, shall we say? Yeah. The other name on the list, um, by the way, was. uh, was Princess Amidala herself. Um, Natalie Portman was on the list for um, for potentially up for Rapunzel. And actually Hard they used her, her audition as uh, one of the pencil tests uh, for, for Tangled to begin with. Mm-hmm. So just interesting alternate realities that could be out there of all these different actors playing these, these mm-hmm. roles. But let's talk in particular about that lantern scene because all of us have talked about it a little bit, but let's actually focus in and, and talk about what makes that scene so marvelous. And, and for me, it is the, the graphics, the use of the 3d animation. This is truly um, now granted they, they also used it in chicken little and in meet the Robinsons, but this is the first Disney princess movie that utilized 3d 3d animation as opposed to 2d um what are your thoughts lou i'll I'll throw it to you talk about that particular scene and why you think that has such an impact on the rest of the movie or at least on the memory of the folks that have seen it well it's just such a gorgeous visual image that that can stick with you um and you know films good films are all about creating um really memorable moments. Um, and I think it was, they were to, to go back to uh, the Godfather. Um, they, James Conner talked about, you know, if a movie has four or five good moments in it, you've got a great film on your, because 
it's something people remember. And I think it's just the fact that it's such a beautiful visual combined with uh, these two characters who are very earnest. And that's the other thing I think that I love about this movie is the characters. It's not cynical. They're very likable, you know, lovable characters um, falling in love in earnest. And it's not, um, there's not a, it makes sense. It doesn't feel shoehorned and it's just um, paired with a really lovely song. And I think it's just all of those things. It, it's a great culmination of everything that the movie had worked towards. Absolutely. Donna, do you have any other additional thoughts there? I love all the color that they use. I don't know. It's just visually just beautiful. It draws you in. It's got the lovely song going and they've been building up to it the whole movie. Just you want to see the floating lights? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, they te- yeah, they do tease they it. They tease it the whole way mm-hmm. through, I mean, from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool visual. And, of course, like now they've got like the – is the – you were just there. Is the uh, photo pass experience with the lantern, is that still a thing over by the tangled bathroom in the parks? Do you know? Uh, there was nothing when we were. Yeah, well, I didn't no see it when we were there. there. No, yeah. okay. it was in March when I um, when I was last there. They had a long line for it. I got you. Well, Vanessa, them. what's your yeah. what are your thoughts on that scene in particular? Well, what I really liked about that scene was um, watching it the second time. Is if you notice um, the lantern that kind of falls into her hands is the one her parents send off. It's the only one with that sun symbol on it. And then if, oh. if you look at the movie in detail, you start to notice those nuances throughout the film. Um, for example, Mother Gothel, she, when she's always saying, oh, I love you, and she's kissing Rapunzel, but if you really look, she's only saying it to the hair or kissing her hair. Wow. herself. Oh you see her gosh. patting her. She's always patting her hair. Go back and watch it again. Oh, wow. And you'll see that well, her. Shoot. Yeah. Her obsession is with the hair, not Rapunzel herself. And it's just mm. really interesting that, you know, I talked a little bit about Maximus that they, they put so many like subtle details in throughout the film that I didn't even notice the first time. The second time. Um, I was I was aware of them, and it, it was really neat to see that kind of level of thought into what is just a you know mostly just for a kids film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Brett. I think if we go back to the lan- lantern scene, the way the lantern scene starts with her mother and father, who actually are non-speaking roles in this in this <laughs> film, isn't that which interesting? Is rather amazing, you know what can be. Uh, what transpires between both of them and then the the feeling that is conveyed through animation is just astounding. I mean, it's loss, it's hope, it's, it's, it's so many things, you know, so that, that starts the moment and, you know, and we know the story unless you got the library one, the library copy. (laughs) (laughs) But for everyone else, when you see it the, the next time you do see, you know, you know, the backstory and you know how sad that would be. You know, but, you know, from Rapunzel's point of view, you know, she just wants to see, she doesn't understand the significance. She kind of goes, hmm, Mm -hmm. isn't that a coincidence? But she doesn't understand the significance. And then that moment, which starts so sweetly and sad, you know, but yet with hope, it starts with, you know, her parents doing the first lantern. And then as, you know, oh, yeah, residual goosebumps. Um, (laughs) And then when you see, and then when you see the entire kingdom and then they just 
start to float and then, you know, masses of them, you know, so that's such a, that's such a gorgeous movement moment that, that actually we do get to see in, again, going to the parks. Um, it was part of Disneyland's, uh, 65th anniversary, the, the fireworks and projections along main street. That was a moment there. And it's been, um, a moment in the, uh, projections, um, in the, in the magic kingdom for a while, you know, for a while too, a number of, of shows. So it's just a special moment. It is. It's a very beautiful moment. I blame Tangled for all these lantern festival events that are like, (laughs) good work. Can you do that in real life? Yeah, they do. They do. do. There's one in St. Louis every November now. And like, I'm dying to go just because this movie makes it seem so awesome. Yeah, so you you make it seem like it's such a negative thing. I blame Tangled for this, and then you're like, but I totally want to go. <laughs> I so. well, I'm just saying, like that's I I think they're the reason why everybody wants to go out with the lantern and like. Isn't I mean, if I go, I'll be singing. It's like Is a it? part of weddings, I think. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If not, they will be soon because this movie's like eight years old now. So when all of these kids grow up, these kids <laughs> yeah. who are raised on them, like that will be that's going to be a thing. So let's talk about this new Disney wave, and and this is a I'm throwing the softball to Lou uh, on this one because mm-hmm. he has been talking about this since we mentioned that we wanted to talk about Tangled. But in this new wave of Disney animation that I would say is is just going along extremely well, we have um, these new this new crop of Disney princesses. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Tiana, mm-hmm. Rapunzel, Anna, Anna and Elsa, and Moana. Mm-hmm. Of those, where would you rank Rapunzel? And I'll, I'll go to Lou first. I think you have to. I for me I think you rank her at the at the top I don't know if I can say number 1 cuz as a as a character I love the character of Moana um very much um and I like all of those characters actually I think you could look at all of those and they're really great um but where I give uh maybe to cop out a little bit where I give Rapunzel credit is she's kind of that first wave now I, now correct me on my timeline if Princess of the Frog comes out the year after this, then, or the year before it, but they I believe it was the year before it, but I'll okay. double check that. Okay. So they're, but they're like nearing, but to me, what I like about what Rapunzel does uh, and what those two do, cause I love that movie too, is it opens that door for the new kind of Disney princess who, who um, doesn't need rescuing. And in fact, actually rescues, uh, the prince because you know Flynn comes into her tower, but she uses Flynn to get out of the tower. She outsmarts him. She rescues him later in the movie. Um, she is seen. She's maybe a little um, the perceived as maybe a little bubblier than the other princesses, but I, I think. But she's just as smart, and I think that's one of the more refreshing things. Um, and it's that new wave of. Uh, princesses who don't necessarily need saving and and can do it on their own. Um, She's new to the world, but she's not um, easily manipulated and she's able to outsmart people. And that's what I really, I really like about her. Um, I think it's a more well-rounded character, honestly, than either of the two frozen princesses. Um, And I think it's, it's right in line with, with, uh, with Moana. 
All right. And you, yes, uh, Princess and the Frog <laughs> came out in 2009. Nine. And okay. then Nine. this okay. came out in 2010. But, but Donna, mm-hmm. what's your ranking of the modern day Disney princesses? That's a really tough one. Cause I feel like Tiana and Rapunzel kind of got swept under the carpet. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they got the. They got just trapped in the huge snowball, avalanche, whatever, ice uh, (laughs) thing you want to say about Frozen. They were left behind, it feels like. But they don't have to be left behind in your heart. Because Frozen's, uh, what, 2012? (laughs) Yeah, Frozen was 2012 or 2013. 2012, right? So, yeah, so like two years after this, they're just, yeah. They're forgotten. Mm Mm-hmm. This should be by memory by now. 2013. Okay, it was 2013, 2013 yeah. yeah. Um, but, Vanessa, do you want to take a crack at uh, ranking these these modern-day princesses? No? Okay. <laughs> who? I didn't hear who you were talking to. You. Oh, me? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, actually, no, I, I don't want to. This is, <laughs> this is really challenging. I, I, I actually think I liked Princess and the Frog um, better as a movie. I, at the time, I liked it better than Tangled. Um, I don't know, but I, I do really like, I think, let me say this. I think Rapunzel's the most relatable character at least for me, that I, that scene where she's like just gotten out of the tower and she's like, "Oh, I'm so excited! What have I done? I'm a horrible person!" Like that, like duality. I I think all probably young women feel a little bit as they're leaving the nest, and there's just a lot of moments like that 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 are you young me me I can relate to. So. Um, I, I very much appreciate the movie. I will not rank the princesses, though, because they're all great. <laughs> I, I think I that's a smart idea. You were going to bite on this. Oh, well. Okay. Um, Brett? Well, uh, I am extremely happy that they have, shall we say, broadened the scope of Disney princess dumb. Um, <laughs> uh, but Rapunzel is you know, who who wrote the original story? I mean, it's 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 like it's it was the fairy only, tale, isn't it? It was the only. Yeah, I think that's right. Oh wow, that's mm-hmm. good. Um, I think it's it's really the only. It was wasn't it like the only princess story that was you know if you were talking about um, the brothers Grimm, it's the last of like the classic princesses that Disney had yet to uh, cover in a. In a in a film, I believe the others are creations, sort of after the fact and not are original. Um, are they original stories? Most of them are based on some Fro- kind of myth. Frozen is, well, Frozen is but it's so uh, far removed that yeah. you might as yeah. well it might as but well be. Rapunzel is definitely in the, yes. the canon of of classic literature characters, at least mm-hmm. you know storybook sort of characters. So so. Um, since we're ra- since we're oh gosh since we're ranking them <clears throat> since she is legitimately the only princess in there other than Aunt, at least other than Elsa <laughs> um, I'm going to put her as number one because she's an, a real princess. Tiana is Tiana not a, a real princess I mean she's in she married you know. it 
<laughs> she married it. Oh, she married into the. What, what does Cinderella do? Does Cinderella? She married she into, marries it. into it. Married so Snow White. <laughs> oh well, yeah. yeah snaps, I, snaps, snaps to you. Right. Okay. No, but I think that <laughs> We're talking, that is also. Uh, excuse me. I believe the question was modern princesses. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Tiana's uh, a modern princess. For sure. Yes, <laughs> I know. But she's yeah. But she, you know, you know, she, yeah. She was a newer story. Whatever. They're all wonderful. Whatever. And you know what I would yes. say? Let's not. It's not about ratings. It's not about who's number one. It's about they're all a family, which we get to see in Wreck It Ralph too. Right. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Which you you do. can't wait for. Yeah. Okay, so I can't wait for. Let's. Uh, I've kept all of you longer than I promised I would. Uh, let's <laughs> let's start to wrap this up a bit. I know, uh, Lou, uh, you may have some closing thoughts though that we haven't gotten to. So, uh, anything else you want to mention about this particular film? Well, yeah, I think to to reiterate what one of what uh, what has been said. Where I'll start is that, yeah, it is a one of the things that I think makes this movie great is that it does feel like a classic Disney princess movie, but has a modern, a genuine modern spin on it Um, in the fact that, you know, Rapunzel is um, a hero in her own right and and is a more um, progressive take on a princess. Um, But it still has that classic feel to it. The music is great to me. I think Belle to Belle, the, no, no pun intended there, uh, I think if you were to put everything together and create like some robotic aggregate score of, of a movie, I think this is maybe the best Disney princess movie since Beauty and the Beast. And I think it's better, and I even think it's better than, than Little Mermaid. Um, and Because I think that it's, it's funnier than most of the Disney princess movies. It has a better villain than most of the Disney princess movies. It has a more modern take than a lot of the previous Disney princess movies, not including the modern era. It's one of the most gorgeously animated movies that they've ever done. Uh, it's got one of the best sidekicks. It's got every, everything you need, but that one major hit. If it had like a centerpiece musical number, it would. It, I. I think it would be hands down the the best of all time. But it just, it's just funny because they had a musical artist as Rapunzel. Right. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But if you, yeah, if you, if you could, if it, that's the, to me, that's the only thing that it's missing. But I would put its soundtrack up against any of the other other princess soundtracks. Um, I think it's just. I think it's an underrated movie. Um, and one of the things I looked up talking about this, and I remember this when it came out, was that a lot of the marketing to this movie was on was surrounding Flynn and not Rapunzel. Uh-huh. It's like th- they were trying to market this, which is why it's called Tangled and not Rapunzel, is that Princess and the Frog didn't do very, as well as it could have. And so Disney got really scared about having Princess in the title because so, they thought boys wouldn't go see it. And so... They call it Tangled, which is why Frozen is called Frozen and not Ice Princess or whatever. Um, but And I think that's part of the reason it gets forgotten is because I don't know if it was really celebrated as the princess movie that it is, but it is, and it's great. And But boys should see it too because it's fun and they should they, they would like it. So uh, anyway, it's Go great. Go see it. Go see it. 
I want to see, does Lou have a tangled tattoo? Because with that kind of conviction, I, I anticipate that you have one somewhere. It's just, it's just across your chest, right? Yeah, like Star Wars. It's a frying pan. When you take yes. that off, it's just like right. yeah. No. I just, for me, I, I, I champion it more because, you know, we, we I mean, Frozen stuff is everywhere, and even Moana stuff is everywhere. And no disrespect to those movies, they're 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 great. We've or seen Rapunzel stuff was everywhere too. Not as much though. I don't well, think it well, was. Well, you weren't really shopping back when Rapunzel came out, but just think like. Four years after Rapunzel, there was still a ton of Rapunzel. Yeah, I, th- I think I don't think it She's was. She's gone now. I don't think she it was won't as find it ubiquitous now. as like Frozen stuff. She Frozen. only gets a bathroom in Magic Kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, attraction, bathroom. Mm, anyway. Is there a hierarchy there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We can't give you a ride, Rapunzel, but here's a toilet. <laughs> oh, but it's a great one. It, it, they are very nice. They're yeah. very nice. Okay. Very nice. Uh, you just Donna, ended up at the any... toilet. Oh, God. <laughs> did you have any uh, closing thoughts? Well, I've always had a question about why Mother Gothel chose to tell Rapunzel her actual birthday. Like, I feel like if she had never told her that, she would have never thought the lanterns were for her, and she would have never gotten out of the castle to see them. So Mother yeah. Gothel's downfall is the one thing she told the truth about was her birthday. Why do that? That and she's an evil villain who goes hey. tall, goes up, you know, it, evil, evil, all Disney the evil people that go up into, you know, like a tower or the top of a mountain or something like that, they end up dead. <laughs> Think about it. Mm-hmm. Gaston, Snow White, Squitch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Check, 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 check. Never. Absolutely. Mm. Just a thought. Absolutely. Okay. Brett, Brett, why don't we go to you with some closing mm. thoughts? This is just a, you know, I mean, I like it better than Beating the Beast because I'm Beating the Beast issues. But anyway, um, uh, I just think it's so, it's just beautiful. The music's wonderful. The voice casting is amazing. And Donna Murphy is now my, one of my favorite Disney villains. I kind of like Is Yzma. You let, oh. yeah. Anyway. That's another, that's a tale for another time. But yeah, she's just fantastic. And the, it's just amazing. I love this film and it was so much fun to watch it again in preparation for this get together. Vanessa. I loved the film and I, I, it's one I think I actually probably should buy. I haven't bought it yet. I, I didn't. I just made the. Thing. I just took the plunge. I was like, you know what? It's it's on sale right now on Amazon. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, direct. So I just I just jumped on that. It's this should buy. I'm I'm silly for renting it in the past. I should just buy it, but um, it was really good. I'm glad we picked it. And also, I do think since we all have to be seem to be big fans of um, Mother Gothel, I do think on one of these episodes we need to rank. Uh, yes. Our Disney villains. Hmm. Uh, who's the worst? A Disney villain bracket. I will mm. save them. Ooh, that mm. sounds like a that sounds like a Lou challenge, right there. That could be we. That could be yeah. Disney, uh, we could put Disney villains. I've already made a Disney song bracket that's going to make you cry, but I can we can do Disney <laughs> villains. Um. Yeah. You know, and and just also one last thing. The we we did in prep for this podcast, we did manage to watch the a, a little bit of the season season, of the two. season two of Tangled, the series. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, I thought it was pretty good. 
it was I you know it had again that kind of adventurous spirit to it, but yeah. it was fun. And both Zachary Levi and Mandy Moore are back in it. Um, it doesn't have the depth of animation yeah. as well, the yeah. film does, but you can't replicate that. I think on, for with even with Disney money, you can't do that. Sixty million dollar film budget, uh, mm-hmm. probably but it was but <laughs> it was really nicely done and it was yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Eden Espinosa, Eden Espinosa is in it, and mm-hmm. mm, Jer- no, Jeremy, mm, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Jeremy, what's the guy his from name? Newsies, like the guy from Newsies. Yeah. Oh, the guy that's on Supergirl as well. Um, yeah, I still don't know his name. Television money, <laughs> absolutely. It's a trap, absolutely. <laughs> um, so my last uh, thing I want to say about this is, you know, I've been doing a lot of like research into Disney past. And this is one of the last films that Michael Eisner greenlit, uh, before he was, uh, outed from the Disney company. So as time goes on, I think we can start to look back and realize that Eisner did still make some good decisions in the early two thousands. Um, as opposed to, he kind of gets, uh, he kind of gets the short end of the stick, um, as far as talking about him now, because, Obviously, Iger came in right away and bought Pixar and everything else, uh, and everything else is history from there. But uh, but probably need to give a little bit of credit for Tangled to Michael Eisner. Absolutely, give Michael Eisner credit. My gosh, he took the yeah. company from a, a, well something that was going to go be be broken apart for piecemeal, piecemeal. Sorry, um, to. Uh, a powerhouse in the mid eighties to nineties to early two thousands. So if without Michael Leisner, you wouldn't have the company you have now. Absolutely. Including well, Tango. So, well, thank you so much guys for being a part of the show. Uh, I know we've, we're going a little bit long, but I do want to mention a couple of things coming up. Um, first of all, we are going to finish out our summer bonus episodes and we might continue them into the fall, but at least we're finishing out the summer oh, portion <laughs> of the bonus episodes. I am going to sit down with Anna and we're going to talk to Mary Kate and Jake Smith about bringing kids to Disney world. And we, we talked a little bit about that with Lou and Don and now, but we're going to dive deep into tips and tricks and, and everything you need to know about taking a kid to Disney world because they have taken multiple children to Disney world multiple times. So excited for that conversation. Also, we have a really cool uh, opportunity coming up. If you are in the Springfield, Illinois area on August 7th, we are doing a screening of Raiders of the lost Ark. It's our first front row flick for the Hoagland center for the arts. Uh, If you come on down, it's $8 for a ticket. You can get in about 6.30. We're going to have some trivia and have some fun before the movie. We're going to watch the movie and then uh, record the discussion afterwards, and that will go into our podcast on Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is a film that I've been dying to do as a podcast. I'm so glad that this was our first pick for this uh, new Front Row Flicks uh, series that we hope to continue at the Hoagland, but we need your support to be able to do that, so please come out on August 7th and watch a really awesome movie. with Watch the Nazis get their faces melted off. It's the best. <laughs> It's the best, for it's sure. It's a night. It's a night, for sure. And as far as our regular episodes of Beyond the Mouse, I don't know what the future holds quite yet. I don't know what movie we'll be tackling next. We have a listener who's been dying to get on, uh, and she was bugging me about it today, um, right before we went on. So maybe I'll talk to Nicole and see uh, what she might want to do with Brett and Vanessa and I, and we'll kind of go from there. 
and see what we do next. And who knows what will be coming next in Disney. Um, we have a lot of trips planned. Brett's in the middle of maybe planning a trip. Uh, <laughs> she wanted to do Pollyanna. That's hilarious. Um, I am going to be going on my trip in September. Just so much Disney going on, which is wonderful. But for everything that is not Disney, Lou, do you know all the plugs? Can you give them the plugs for us? Sure. You can find us online at Front Row Reviews with a Z. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, www.thefrontrowmoviereviews.com, uh, where uh, some exciting stuff's going to be happening uh, in the hopefully near future. Uh, so bookmark our page. Keep going back there. You'll find all our different podcasts. Uh, and also find us on Facebook, the Front Row Network, uh, where you'll get updates on all that or sorts of stuff. Uh, a lot of cool stuff is happening in the next month. Uh, we are uh, expanding. Uh, we're adding. We're doing lots of new stuff. Um, so all of your different stuff. Uh, we just had a flashback of Good Morning Vietnam. So uh, you'll look forward to another flashbacks next month. I'm not sure what Scott's doing, but I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. My next episode of Guilty Pleasures should be dropping within the next week. The August episode uh, is The Crush. It's already in the can. Nice. Uh, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, we uh, Sarah joins me on that one, and we have a first-timer. Uh, Courtney Enlow from Sci-Fi Fangirls joins us, and she's uh, hysterical. The two of them talk a lot, and I just try not to get myself in trouble with a movie that involves a 16 year old girl being a stalker. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and there's all sorts of cool stuff com- coming up. So make sure you, you find us on, um, any of those different venues, but also rate and review us. Give us a five star review on both the front rows feed and on the beyond the mouse feed and find all of our different podcasts and, and tell your friends. And if you're watching us on YouTube tonight, thanks for joining us uh, and comment, subscribe. So you can know the next time we're doing live stuff. Absolutely. And you didn't, you failed to mention that you did uh, kingdom of the crystal skull as your guilty pleasure in July. They, and they it, did. it was so funny. Uh, it, it was a hilarious, I mean, <laughs> You kind of want like Spielberg and Lucas to listen to it just so mm-hmm. uh, they can understand the pain that they put us through. There's so much pain. Of the C- Crystal mm-hmm. Skull. So mm-hmm. it's a great appetizer to coming to the front row flick at the Hoagland on August 7th. But, mm-hmm. uh, well, thanks, guys. It's been a lot of fun and happy to uh, wrap up another Beyond the Mouse. So with all that, I am Craig McFarland. Brett, go next. Uh, hi. I am Brett. Thank you. <laughs> goodbye. I'm Vanessa. Oh, sorry. Goodbye. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. Bookend that. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Lou and Tangled's still the best. <laughs> I'm Donna. And we will see you real soon. I told you I'm a close <laughs> Apparently not a very good one. No coffee for you, Brett. Oh, <laughs>